Alright, remain standing with me as we go to the Word of God this morning. You guys excited for a little preaching today? Alright, I hope you're just as excited after it's over. It's going to be a little tough one today. A little tough one. But how many of you need a good spiritual beatdown right now? Little... Alright, we're going to get that today. Amen. <laughs> uh, if you're a first time guest, don't be scared. Alright, Luke chapter 5 verse 1. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. And notice what the Bible says. One day Jesus was standing by the lake with the people crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've caught nothing. We haven't caught anything. But because you said so, I'll let down my nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners into the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats up. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said, to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. In Jesus' name, use me to speak your word now so that we may never be the same again. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this, this message this morning. I want to just give you the title right off the bat. Some of you saw it on the internet, on the social media. But today, the title, the title of today's message is Fat Christians. Where my fat people are. Where, where are you guys at? All right. Amen. 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 Someone say amen. Amen. All right. All right. Um, turn to your neighbor and tell him right now, you look a little fat this morning. A little fat this morning. That's not... Go ahead. Say it. Don't, don't say it. It's all good. <laughs> All right, all right. If I got you in trouble, I'm sorry, but all right. We got that. All right, all right. Let's go. Let's get into the Word of God. But what I notice about this passage, and I'll explain why the whole fat Christian thing a little bit towards the end. But as I read this passage, a few things caught my attention. One of them was that the Bible says that crowds pressed up against Jesus. That's how many people were in the crowds. You see, in the chapter before, you would read that Jesus would heal many people. So as Jesus began to heal the sick and all the people with their problems, word would really spread quickly. So everyone knows now that Jesus is this guy. They don't know much about him, but they say, hey, there's this guy that claims to be God and he's healing everyone, and it's real. I was there, I saw the blind seeing, I saw the deaf hearing, I saw the lame walking. So news of Jesus began to spread. And as the news of Jesus began to spread, he became so popular that the Bible says there were crowds pressing up against him. See, what's amazing and what caught my attention about this passage is that Jesus was actually teaching the people. The Bible doesn't say it was a missionary or a pastor or a teacher. It wasn't any of that. The Bible literally says Jesus himself was teaching and the people gathered to hear his word. Now imagine if Jesus himself in the flesh was leading today's service. 
Imagine if it was not me in the pulpit, but Jesus himself. I would hope and pray you would not be texting on your phone or checking your little apps or getting up to go to the bathroom or thinking about lunch or what you're going to do tomorrow and the laundry I have at home. I would imagine that all of your attention would be on Jesus. (coughs) All of your attention would be on Jesus. But that is not what the Bible says. Can I have some water, please? (coughs) I have a bad throat this morning, guys, so please bear with me. But this is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the people just listen to the Word. You don't see the Bible saying the people were excited. The people were moved. The people dropped everything and followed Jesus. Their lives were were never the same again. You don't see the people saying they were overwhelmed with joy. They were overwhelmed with passion. The only thing the Bible says is the people gathered to listen to the Word. That's it. Let me ask you a question, church. Do you want your life to be about just that with God? Does your relationship with God just look like a Sunday morning that you gather to listen to the Word? That's it. And then like the rest of these people here, after I listen to the Word, I'm just going to go back home as business as usual. I'm going to go back to my life. And then next Sunday, you know, if I have time, if I'm not busy, I'm going to go back to church and, and listen to the Word. You see why? This caught my attention is because I don't want to be that type of Christian that all I do is gather with other people that have the same belief as me and just listen to a sermon and go home. Because I believe that God has more for your life. I believe that God has more than just a Sunday morning service. That God has more than just another sermon, another service, another worship song. But see, what I notice about this passage is that Jesus was teaching them. This would be the greatest opportunity of those people's lives. To have Jesus himself teaching the word to you. There was no response. There was no change. There was no true encounter. They just went home. They just went back to work. Back to taking care of the kids. Back to my old life. But not Peter. Peter was in that crowd on the shoreline. And what I love about this passage is that Jesus taught from his boat. So so Peter is literally listening to this message that Jesus is preaching. But in the end of this passage, you would see that Peter would not only listen to the words of Jesus, but that Peter would drop everything and follow him. And when Peter would drop everything and follow him, His life would never be the same again. In fact, his life would radically change in such a way that Jesus would change his name from Simon to Peter. It was a significant change of character and attitude and lifestyle. It was such a change in Peter that everyone took notice. It was such a change in Peter that the Lord began to use him. Later on, Peter would preach one sermon and reach 2,000 people for Jesus. Peter would walk on water, start the church. He would break through prison cells. He would see the miracles of God. And displayed in his own life. He would see the power of God moving in his family, his mother-in-law, his family, his wife, his children, his home. He would see Jesus do radical changes. It was not just a sermon for Peter. It was a passionate 
following that said, Lord, I don't want to be the same. I don't want to go back home and be the same old Simon. I don't want just this, this sermon and go home. I want more. And he believed when Peter saw the sin of his life, he fell to the knees of Jesus and he said, get away from me. But Jesus said, no, Peter, I want to use you. I want to bless you. I want to do more in your life. And Peter dropped everything. See, this is the choice we have to make. Are you going to limit God to just a Sunday morning service and just a little word? Or are you going to say, God, I want to see the best you have for my life. I want to see you move in my life, in my home, in my family, in my children. I want to experience your joy, your presence, your peace. I want to experience your power and your breakthrough. I don't want to just be a fat Christian that says, you know what, just feed me and feed me and feed me. No, I want to see God do more. What do you want from God? What do you want from Him? A pep talk? Or do you want to see God do more than just give you a word? Like the passage we just read, so many people, they, they gather in the church. They, they hear the word of God. And if, if you've been in forward, for example, for five years, five years, you know, I'm one of the only pastors that has to teach Wednesdays and teach Sundays and never takes a Sunday off. That means that you have heard me preach, some of you, for almost 13 years. Five years, over 1,200 plus sermons and Bible study and podcasts. So many people gather in the church. They hear the Word of God. They hear the teachings of Jesus. But like the people we read just now, there's no change. There's no response. There's no movement. There's, there's no growth. You ask yourself, why? Why is it so many Christians or professing Christians are in the church, but they don't see that change in their life. They're still struggling with the same sin. They're still struggling with the same bondage. There's no change. I go to church, I listen to the preachings, but I'm the same old person. Why does that happen? Because church doesn't change you. Jesus does. And as I went yesterday, just yesterday, as I was handing out flyers, there's some weird people in Hialeah. Some of them are in this church. But listen, there's some weird people in this community I love. And yesterday, i got to be honest, I was with holding the flyers and I was walking with my wife. And, and um, I saw, we saw one guy, he pulled up to his house with this loud, terrible music. He, he came out all buff, tatted up and bald, and he looked aggressive, he looked mean. And can I tell you, he was. And I said to Jericho, you got this one. <laughs> let, me be on, let me be for real honest. I, I, said, I said to myself, now we, let's just keep going. And my lovely spiritual wife said, People like him need Jesus too. And then I said, then you go. And she said, I will. And she did. She did. <laughs> and then she comes back and she's like, that was the meanest person. The rudest person. And you know what he told Jerrica? I go to church. Been going for nine years. You imagine the rudest, meanest guy we encountered yesterday was a churchgoer for nine years? 
How does that happen? How is it you go to church, but you have the worst attitude? How is it you go to church and, and, and you're rude? How is it you go to church, listen to the Word of God, but you, you still listen to the worst music in your car? How, how is it you go to church, but you don't even look like you know Jesus? Do I have your attention this morning? Here's why. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Brothers, Paul said, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. He said, babies in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. First, there, there's jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? Meaning, are you not acting like someone that doesn't even know Jesus Christ? You see, Paul was talking to Christians that were in the church. But there was no growth happening. There was no change. And Paul was literally calling them immature Christians. And an immature Christian goes to church but doesn't grow. An immature Christian goes to church but acts the same as the world. An immature Christian might know some scriptures, but they don't live it out. And as Paul confronts these immature Christians in the church, he would call them worldly. And that word worldly in the Greek, it literally means to be carnal or flesh. He was calling them a carnal Christian. What exactly is a carnal Christian? A carnal Christian is someone that knows the truth of Jesus Christ, has professed it, has turned their lives to Jesus. A carnal Christian is a Christian that still struggles with their old sin. A carnal Christian is a Christian that still lives like the world. A carnal Christian still acts like the world. They talk like the world. They act like the world. They talk like the world. They hang out with worldly people. They hang out with people that don't know Jesus because those same people that don't know Jesus, they act just like you. They have no self-control. They give in to their temptation. They're given to their sin. And when you look at a carnal Christian, they will tell you, I've been going to church for nine years, but they will act wrong. They will treat you rudely, they will be living in sin, acting like the world, but they will come to church on Sunday, raise their hands, worship, pray, read the Bible, listen to a sermon, go back to home, go, go to work on Monday, and still gossip, and still slander, and listen, and watch the worldly filth the world has to offer, lives in sin, has no self-control, but I go to church. Maybe that describes you. There's a lot of carnal Christians in the church. They don't grow. And here's the thing about carnal Christians. They can't pray. They can't worship. They, they can't really read the Bible. They really have no joy of their salvation. They can come to church, but, but they don't feel it anymore. Why? It's because you are carnal. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. And Jesus cannot fit into the world, and the world cannot fit into Jesus, but your heart has compromised. So as you go to church and you hear the Word of God, it bothers you. Why? Because you know the state of your heart. That's why you pray, but you feel like God can't hear you. Because you know you're in sin. You go to church, but you don't feel it, because you're living in sin. 
You worship, but you might as well be in a karaoke place because you're just singing songs. And it doesn't fill your heart. Because you're in the middle. You're worldly. You know the truth of Jesus Christ. You have accepted it, but you have mixed yourself with the world and God and the world cannot mix. So there's conflict. That's why you feel guilty all the time. That's why you lose sleep at night. That's why you feel like God hates you. That's why you've lost all your joy and you feel like God can't do anything with you because the Holy Spirit is grieving you to repent and turn back to Jesus. See, if you're a carnal Christian, you're saying, well, pastor, that's like me. I pray, I read the Bible, I go to church, but I feel weird, I feel awful. You know that when you're a carnal Christian, that awful feeling you feel, it's called conviction. And God has given you that conviction through His Holy Spirit living inside you. So that you would not be comfortable with it. So that you would not conform to it. Even Peter himself denied Jesus three times and he started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And the Bible says he started even using profanity. That's how worldly he looked. And Peter left the ministry for a while. Why? Because he felt like God couldn't use him. He felt like the worst hypocrite. He felt like God hated him. But see, what Peter didn't realize is that guilt and that condemnation that he was feeling was actually conviction. Saying, you don't belong here. You don't belong in the world. You're in it, but you're not of it. You don't belong with those people. You don't need to be doing those things. I set you free from that. You see who I worried about? Let me tell you who I worry about. I worry about those that are worldly in the church. And they can just worship and pray and they hold their Bible, they read it just fine, they're happy, they're smiling. You know why I worry about those people? Because it tells me the reason you're worldly and you're fine in church is because you don't have the Holy Spirit in you convicting you, meaning you're not truly saved. And I know messages like this aren't preached in the church anymore. But they're preached in this one. And with all love, I tell you, if you're offended, it's because you're immature. But if you're convicted today, it's because God is saying, I'm talking to you. Come back. You're worldly. It's sad because so many people in the church are worldly. You might look at someone's social media, you can't tell the difference. They just go to church. They gather like they did with Jesus. They listen to the Word, but there's no change. What angers me is that in all my years being a pastor, this might shock you. Twelve and a half years pastoring. People come, people go. I have never, not once, not one, I cannot even think of one person that has ever sat down with me, looked at me in the eyes and said, Pastor, I need your help. I can't pray. I've lost my joy. I, I, I read the Bible, but it's just words. I, I, I'm struggling. And Pastor, I know it's because I'm carnal. Pastor, I know I'm not growing because I'm worldly. You know what I've heard all my years as a pastor? Pastor, I'm leaving the church because I'm not growing. 
And people like this will blame pastors and teachers and churches. And they'll move on and later on you see, you look at their lives and nothing's changed. Because the problem is not the church. The problem is not the pastors. The problem is your heart. But see, carnal people are immature believers. And in immature believers, it takes a lot of them to really say, listen, I'm wrong. I'm living wrong. I'm acting wrong. I, I know I'm doing things I should not be doing. I know I fell back into things the Lord delivered me from. But see, it takes a mature believer to say, the problem is not you. The problem is not them. The problem is me. And see, when I read this passage and I see how many people gathered to just hear the word of Jesus, and no one changed. I said, that's the times we're living in. Look at verse 4 with me. When Jesus finished speaking, I want you to notice that. When Jesus finished speaking, when Jesus finished teaching, when Jesus finished preaching, when Jesus finished the Bible study, when Jesus finished the service. He looked at Simon and said, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. You notice that when the sermon was over, he looked at Simon and he said, I want to go deeper with you. I don't want you, Peter, to stay in the shallow water. I don't want you to stay, just be a shallow person. You see, a shallow person just wants to listen to preachings, but they do nothing about it. We need to put an end to shallow Christianity of just being filled with the Word and hearing the words and listening to the sermons and the teachings. When he looked at Simon... He said, I want to go deeper with you. Because church, God is more than just a sermon. He's more than just an hour on Sunday. He's more than just a Bible study. And maybe He's looking at you this morning and He's saying, if you would only know what I want to do in your life. If you only know how I can change you. If you only knew how I can break you free from your addictions and your sin, if you only knew how I want to use you. Peter had a choice. No, the, the sermon was enough. I got to get back to work. I got fish to catch. I'm just going to stay shallow. And, and, and anytime you want to preach, I'll be in the shallow end of the, of the pool, the shallow end of the beach, and, and I just want to listen. But listening to the Word of God without obedience means nothing. Jesus says, I want to go deeper with you. The Lord desires to do more in your life like He desired to do more in the life of Peter. But the choice is yours. You can leave this church this morning shallow and say, well, that was a strong word or that was tough or that was great. See you next Sunday. Or this can be the Sunday you say, Lord, kill the carnal Christian in me. Kill the shallowness of my heart. Lord, I know I'm worldly and I'm tired of listening to the Word and not seeing it work in my life. And I want to tell anyone here this morning, you don't have to be perfect to be used by Jesus. You just have to be willing to trust Him. If there's anyone unqualified, it was Peter. In fact, Acts chapter 4 verse 13 when they saw the courage of Peter and John, but notice when they saw the courage of Peter, they realized that they were unschooled, uneducated, ordinary men. They were ordinary. But they were astonished. 
And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Ordinary. Peter was not some theologian that knew the Greek, Hebrew, and the Latin. Peter did not have some seminary degree hanging in his wall. Peter was one of the worst people you would... If I met Peter, I'd be like, do not come to my church. So many people feel, God can't use me. God can't forgive me. God, God can't change me. I'm too bad. I'm too evil. I'm too wicked. Can I tell you, if that's the truth, God can do so much with you. And just like they were astonished. What if God wants to use you to astonish others? The worst people make the best followers. Come on, what testimonies do we like to hear? Grew up in the church all my life. Family was Christian. Grandma was a Christian. Everything was good. Got saved when I was 12. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're not going to say, wow, what a story. You know what we like? I was in the mafia, killed a few people, <laughs> jail a few times, shot collar in the prison, did a few drugs, sold drugs, did drugs. I'm on drugs right now. I'm not perfect. But I gave my life to Jesus. And he changed me. Those are the ones that go, If you feel like you're the worst of the worst, let Jesus do the best of the best work in you. What was it about Peter? What was it about him that, that made Jesus say, I want to go deeper with you? I want to do more with you. What did Peter do? Because Peter would drop everything and follow him. This is where we're wrong. We always tend to think, you know, the reason that Peter, he, the reason God could use him because he dropped everything and he followed Jesus. But how many people have done the same? How many of you have said, this is, that's it, this is today, I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm done, Lord, here it is, and nothing changes. But see, Peter would do three things. Peter would have three things, just three that would demonstrate to us and also demonstrate to Jesus why he could be used and blessed and favor and change the world. And I promise you, I promise you, as God is my witness today and I preach from this pulpit, if you would implement these three principles you're about to learn this morning, you will never ever be the same again. And I made it so simple for us to learn these three little principles that they start with F-A-T. That's why this sermon is called Fat Christians. You ready to learn? Number one, verse five. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down my net. As this for faithful. Come on, say it with me. Faithful. Faithful. Peter demonstrated. He was honest with Jesus. Because you can be honest with God. He already knows your heart. And see, when Jesus told Peter, go out into the deeper water, Peter didn't say, whatever thou say, Master, I will do it. Peter didn't say, oh, of course this makes sense, I'm going to do it. No, Peter was honest. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I've, been try I've tried. Hasn't worked. Can we be honest with God right now? Sometimes we read the Word of God and you're saying, well, I I'm not feeling this verse. 
You know this, this verse that says, oh, respect my husband. You listening? Huh? You respect my husband. Loved your wife. I, I'm, I don't know, pastor. I'm, God, I, I've tried that. Did it work? And, and this thing about beating your children. I like that. I'm feeling that one. But then I read that you have to forgive your enemies. Lord, I'm, I'm tired of that. The Word of God is not something you're going to feel like doing all the time. And he was honest with Jesus. He said, listen, I'm tired. I've tried. It's not going to work. But because it's your word, I'll trust you. That's what being faithful means. You don't put any emotions to it. You don't put any circumstances to it. Any inconvenience to it. You say, Lord, I may not feel like it. But because you said so, I will obey. I don't have to like it. I don't have to understand it. It might seem unfair and crazy and unreasonable. Because Lord, you said so. I'll do it. You know why so many people can experience the power of God in their life? Because we put too many terms and conditions to the Word of God. What if you just said, Lord, I'll do it? In spite of what's happening. You know, loving someone, it's not always something you're going to feel. But because God said to do it. Serving, it's not something you're always going to feel. But because God said so, do it. Peter was faithful. James 1, 22 through 25 says this. Do not merely, what? Listen. To the Word. Isn't that what we're doing right now? But I promise you this, God says what you're doing right now in this church is not enough. Don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. He says, do what it says. How would your life change if you just do what God said? Anyone who listens to the Word but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at the mirror, looks at his face in the mirror. And in verse 25 it says, immediately he forgets what he looks like. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed. How many of you want God to bless you? The Bible says clearly the key to freedom and blessing is in not just hearing the word, but doing it. Are you not grateful you go to a church that still believes in preaching the word of God? But what, but listen, what good is it? if you're not going to do anything. And Jesus said, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror. You know, you look at yourself in the mirror, some of you like it, some of you don't. Some of you are fat Christians, I get that. And you look at yourself in the mirror. And the mirror is there not to make you feel good. The mirror is there to tell you the truth of who you are. You may not like it, you might like it. You go to the gym, there's people that are in the mirror all the time. You go to the locker room, it's weird. They're on their phones, all these guys with shirtless guys taking photos of each other. Oh, not my gym. And I'm out. But see, the mirror is there. And it might mean that you have messy hair, a wrinkled shirt, and the mirror shows you the truth. But what good is it if you look at the mirror and say, man, my shirt's really wrinkled today. Man, my hair is messy. All right, and you just leave. You have to act on it. See, God says, when you look at my word, it's going to reveal the truth of who you are. 
and you might like it, you might not. Some days you're going to read the Word and you're going to see that you'll have to change this about your character, change this about your attitude. But see, when you act on it, that's when God says, I can bless you. And Peter acted in faith. And maybe you are where you are today. Because you might hear the Word of God. But you're not really doing it. Verse 2 and 3. Let's get to the A. He saw that at the water's edge were two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon asked him to put out a little from shore. Notice what Jesus did. He saw two empty boats and he got into one of them. And then he asked Peter to go out just a little. A is for available. If you're faithful, he'll bless you. If you're available, he'll use you. He saw two empty boats. And the Bible makes it clear that Peter was the owner of that boat. And Peter got in, when he saw Jesus get into that boat, he could have said, that's my boat. He could have said, listen, get out, I have no time. I have no room. I'm too busy, I'm too tired. That's not what Peter did. See, Jesus used Peter's boat, the Bible said, to speak to the crowd from. He used this boat as a platform. Can I tell you that when Jesus uses you, He uses your life as a platform for others that don't know Jesus. Your life is a platform for Jesus to use. You may not be on a pulpit, on a stage in church like this right now, but you might be a parent. And if you are raising children still in your home, you are a platform to those children to know Jesus. You might not work in a Christian job like I do, and you might work with some of the worst guys ever telling bad jokes and gossiping and slamming. You might work with some of the meanest women. You might even hate your job because of the people. But God put you there because you're a platform. How else are people going to know about Jesus? You're a platform. But if you're a carnal platform, you can't be used. So whether you're working, raising kids, retired, whatever it is you're doing, the Lord wants to use you as a platform to others so that they would know Jesus Christ. That's why he got into Peter's boat. And Peter did not protest. He allowed it. See, this really spoke to me. Because I understand right now we have to be faithful in the Word of God, but we also have to be available for God. But many people in the church today are not available for God. They're too busy. I got things to do. I'm too tired. I'm going to sleep in today. I'm not going to read the Bible today. I'm going to just watch a few episodes of Netflix. I, I really don't... I, I got too much going on. And you have so many excuses. There's some people I don't see for months, and I think they were dead. I said, what happened? Oh, I was just busy. I'm just tired. Who's busier than God right now? No one. But He will drop everything for you. We're not available for God. No, I thought about this. With stackable Tupperware. 
They got these stackable bowls. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I really, I did. I was like, what? Check this out. But see, it stacks like that so your life would be easier. More comfortable. But suppose you come over my house and you see me struggling. And I'm walking like this and, and I'm trying to fit it all in. And, and you would look at me and say, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm saying, it, it doesn't fit. It's not working. It, it says stackable, but it's not working. You would say, no, Pastor, you, you got it all wrong. There, there's an order to it. And that's how so many of us, this is how we treat God. And when it comes to our lives, you know what you do? People, and the worst, it makes no sense at all. When someone says, I'm too busy, I have no time, I have too much going on, that is not an excuse and why you're not available for God. And so many of us, we're saying, well, I just don't fit. I have no time. I'm, I'm too busy. And you know what happens? You get frustrated in life. And you say, well, I tried church, but it doesn't work. I, I tried the Christian thing, but it doesn't work. And I read the Bible, but it doesn't work. And I pray, and it doesn't work. And I'm frustrated, and I'm angry, and everything's a mess, and I have too much in my hands. And God says, no, it does work. Your problem is the order in which you're living your life. And your priorities are all wrong. And it's God, family, and church. Colossians 1.17 says this. This is a Tupperware verse. He is before all things. Can you just say that with me? He's before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. So God says, you got to put me before all things. i got to come first in your life. I need to be first in your home, first in your marriage, first in your finances, first in your choices, first in your values. When you live to put me before all things, everything falls in order. And I hold all things. And it works out a lot better. If you're tired of being tired and frustrated and angry and it doesn't work, I guarantee your Tupperwares are all wrong. <laughs> it's not working, is it? All of you who put your children first, how's that working? Put your job first. You put your hobbies first. But I've never met a person that said, ever since I've been putting God first in my life, my life's been harder. He is before all things. And here's a frightening thing. He's not only before all things, in Him all things hold together. That very thing that keeps you away from God, God says, I'll take it from you. Because I hold everything together. I hold all things together. So if it feels like everything's falling apart and it's not together in your life, I guarantee it's because your Tupperware is all wrong. Your order of priority in life is all wrong. And you need to open up to God and say, Lord, forgive me for not putting you above all things. And change the order. F is for faithful. A is for available. T is for teachable. 
The word disciple literally means learner. And someone that learns is willing to be taught. It's called a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit is a passion to learn. A desire to spend time at His Word. If today is the only time you're in the Word of God, believe me, you're not teachable. It's looking at the Word of God and evaluating yourself, learning from your mistakes, learning from your sins, learning where you need to grow, where you need to be better. It's a desire to be better, to learn more. How do I learn? You're struggling in life. Let's say right now you're saying, Pastor, I'm struggling with, with anger. I'm so angry all the time. If you have a teachable spirit, you fall on your knees before God, confess it, and you open up this Bible and you listen and read and learn everything the Bible has to say about anger. And when you're faithful to the Word of God and you do it and you reprioritize God, believe me, that anger will be gone in a minute. But see, you need to be teachable. Success tomorrow means teachable today. The problem is it takes great humility to be teachable. And, and pride makes us think we know all things. We can't be taught. What I love about my parents, they've been Christians since the 80s. That's, oof. Once in a while, mom will call me and say, hey, I really like that. I never knew that. I learned that today. It must be weird to learn from your son. That's a teachable spirit. When you don't have a teachable spirit, you have chronic failure in your life. You just keep failing. And it keeps happening because you don't want to learn. When you don't have a teachable spirit, when someone gives you advice, you take it as criticism. You don't have a teachable spirit if all you do is blame others. And someone says, listen, you got to do it this way. You've been doing it wrong. No, it's you. It's your fault. And this is why. And this is why. That's not a teachable spirit. You blame other people. A teachable spirit says, you know what? You're right. I could do that better. I was wrong. I'm going to start making those changes. I appreciate you. As the Bible says, a wise man listens to advice. A teachable spirit listens to people who have been there before, who are older and wiser. But we have a generation of know-it-alls today. A teachable spirit is someone that is stuck on their way. And I'll close with this. When Peter said to Jesus, I'll drop everything and I'll follow you. Peter had a lot to learn. But see, when Peter failed, Jesus would have to call and say, Peter, put the sword down. It's not right to cut ears off. You're a Christian now. Oh, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Learn. Jesus, I'll never deny you like, you know, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Not me. After he failed, he learned. He wasn't perfect. My question out of these three points, are you living all three? Are you faithful? Available? And teachable? Jesus is looking for fat Christians. Someone who is faithful to his word, who's not going to think about what the world is doing, how people say it's wrong, and they're not going to think about how they feel, what they think. They're going to look at the word of God and say, because the word says so, I'm doing it. Are you available? Are you saying, Lord, I'm putting you first above all things, and maybe today you haven't. 
and the Lord brought you to this church to realize your order of life is all wrong. And that's why nothing's working for you. That's why you're frustrated. Because you have everything else in life distracting you from what matters most, and that's God who holds everything together. And are you teachable? Are you saying right now, you know, Pastor, you're right. I learned something today. And I need to change this about me. Or are you going to leave this church saying, ah, this message wasn't for me. I already knew that. I already read that story. My prayer today, if you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm carnal. I listen to the word, but I'm frustrated. I have no change in my life. I know I'm worldly. And I can't pray, I can't read the Bible. I, I, I come to church, but I don't feel it. And the reason you don't feel it is because the Holy Spirit says, I don't mix with the world. Friendship with the world, the Bible says, is hatred towards God. So you're living right now like you hate God. All of that can change today. Maybe in this church, I have a little Peter today that God says, I want more from you. I could do more in your life. I, I don't care how bad you think you are, how uneducated, I don't care about your past because when I'm done with you, people will be astonished. But all you have to do is say, Lord, I will be faithful to your word. I will be available. God, I have so much to learn. Teach me. You're probably thinking, well, Pastor, what kind of Palm Sunday sermon is this? Where are the palms? Where's the donkey? Where's the Easter prep message? Luke 19, 41 through 42. There it is. Here's my Palm Sunday message. As he approached Jerusalem, and saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you even, you, I love that, if you, yeah, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. See, when Jesus went to Jerusalem that Palm Sunday, and he would hear the crowds screaming his name, Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, and all excited. Jesus wasn't moved. He wasn't overwhelmed with joy. He wasn't saying, well, look at all these people, man, the church is going to take off. And no, he cried and he wept with sadness because when he looked at all those people in the crowd, he knew they weren't fat. He knew they're not faithful. Three years I've been teaching them and they have not been faithful to what I've been saying to them. They're not available for me because next week they're going to be crucifying me. And they're not even teachable because I've taught them for three years. They were in the crowd listening, but not one of them came to follow me. And Jesus said, if you will only know that peace was right in front of you. Today, church you can have peace with God and it's right in front of you but you can leave this church today shallow or you can say Lord I want to go deeper with you so with every head bowed and every eye closed today if you feel a pulling in your heart that this is a day I got to give my life to Jesus and I feel like I'm the worst of the worst. That's okay. Because even you could be forgiven by Jesus. You can be used and transformed. God can still bless you like you never imagined. But you have to be faithful to his word. What does his word say? All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. 
And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died and he rose again, you will be saved. Folks, only Jesus can save you from your sin. Nothing or no one else. And you have to be available and say, Lord, I surrender my life and acknowledge you as Lord of my life now. And I'm putting my Tupperware in order and I want you to be first in my life now. Forgive me of my sins as I turn to you. And right there at that moment, you will be saved. And then the learning starts. You get yourself connected to a good church. This one's always available for you. And we will teach you the word of God. And as you learn and grow, you will begin to see the change in your life. But the choice is yours. And maybe you're here this morning. You're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved. I'm a Christian, but you got me. I'm a carnal one. And I'm living in sin. I'm worldly. Paul called it what it is. You're worldly. And that's why you have no joy in your life. And you have no peace. But today, right now, the Bible says that the Lord can restore the heart. The Lord can kill the carnal flesh in you. And you can actually begin to have the joy of your salvation again. Don't let the devil tell you, no, you knew better. You should never have done that. How dare you? You serve in the church. You've been to forward for years. How can you even be? No, listen, right now, upon you acknowledging your worldliness to God and your dedication to saying, Lord, I want to live for you, he will forgive you. Can we all stand to our feet? I want to pray for you this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, happy Palm Sunday, everyone. You're here this morning. You're saying, Pastor, I'm not a fat Christian. I'm not faithful. I'm not available. I haven't been teaching. I've been disobedient, busy, distracted, and prideful with arrogance. It's no wonder my life's a mess and I need my Tupperware back in order. I want to first pray with those here today who understand what I'm saying. All of us have sinned. No one is perfect. In fact, God says he chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. So if you feel like you're not good enough for Jesus, I challenge you today to put him at his word. Trust him as your Lord and Savior, as the one that can forgive you of your sins and save you from eternity in hell. You put him at his word. And if this is you this morning, right where you're at, I want you to put your hand up so I can pray with you and help you through this. If this is you this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Now here's where it gets even more challenging. No one's looking around. No one cares, really. Where are my carnal Christians at? God bless you. I see you you there all around the room. I'm not even going to ask you to come forward or nothing. This is between you and God. If you're worldly, would you own it? Would you say, Lord, I know better. I know the truth. But Lord, I confess and I admit, I'm back to things I know you delivered me from. I'm struggling with self-control and I've given in. And Lord, I know I'm doing things I should not do. Lord, I know that there's, there's things and people in my life that, that don't belong. And Lord, I hate myself. And I feel guilty all the time. And the Lord will tell you today that's conviction not guilt because the Lord convicts his children disciplines his children 
And the Lord loves you so much, he made it so that you would be so uncomfortable in the world he saved you from. So if that's you this morning, would you just pray this with me and say, Lord Jesus, I am worldly. And sometimes I love it, but after I hate it. And tell your world, tell your God right now, tell God your worldliness. Tell him what it is. Repent from that. And say, Lord, I'm done with that. I want people to see me, Lord, and be astonished like they did Peter. Because I'm so different from the world. And forgive me, Lord. Just tell him right now, forgive me for not using my platform to be a testimony rather being a bad example Lord. Heavenly Father in Jesus name I pray that you would not look at this church and weep over it over the carnality and the worldliness of the people here I pray Father you would break our hearts as we sang this morning to break our hearts for what breaks yours and forgive us Lord for our carnal spirit. And I pray, Lord, that we will turn away from those things you have called us free from. And we would lead a life of godliness and holiness and integrity so that the world will see our platform and know it has to be Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for this word. Father, I pray you help us to be a little bit more fat with you. Help us to be more faithful to your word and do what it says in spite of how we feel. Help us to be available to you, Lord, at your call. To put our Tupperware back in order, our priorities back. And Lord, continue to teach us what we need to learn. For we are nothing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give God some praise today. God bless you guys. You guys can have a seat for a moment. Happy Palm Sunday, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that Palm Sunday message. No? It's quiet. Wow. All right. All right, Fat Christian. (laughs) Amen. I hope you guys were blessed. It's not every day you go to church and be told you're fat, but hey, aren't you glad you go to a church that you're actually learning? And I pray you have a teachable spirit because the Lord has not only more for you, but he has more for this church. And there's actually more happening in our church every week. And I love the fact that we meet here and we're all so, so different, yet we see God working in so many ways. So I pray this morning that you would leave this church and say, Pastor, thank you for that word. God, thank you for using him. And Lord, I pray that you give me the strength to be more faithful, available, and teachable.